military moms, dads, and grandparents. At Military Network Radio, we know that everyone serves in a military family, and we know how hard it can be to provide a great education for our military kids. K-12 believes every child is uniquely brilliant. So to prepare them for college and success beyond high school, they deserve an education designed just for them. Learn more at k12.com forward slash grade about enrolling. A child's brilliance comes in many forms. Some are curious, others inventive, sometimes analytical. K-12 is a full-time, tuition-free online option to traditional public school. Taught by state-certified teachers, schools powered by K-12 provide an individualized education, enhancing your child's ability to succeed. K-12 programs teach to and embrace your child's unique brilliance. Students from K-12 power schools go on to find colleges and universities, enhancing their ability to succeed. Be part of the community of military families throughout the world who have succeeded with a tuition-free online K-12 education. K-12 welcomes students for grades K through 12. Visit k12.com forward slash grade or call 855-628-9531 for more information about enrolling. That's 855-628-9531 and k12.com forward slash grade. Welcome to Military Network Radio, where we'll bring dynamic interviews and fresh information about topics affecting your quality of life at each stage of your military service. Join us each week for information of value that improves your outlook, actions, and encourages each member of the family, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Everyone serves, and together we make a difference. And now, here's your host, Linda Crater. Welcome to Military Network Radio. We're delighted that you've joined us this morning. We have a wonderful program today about military children. And you know that the tagline of our program is everyone serves and together we make a difference. And it's been a while since we've devoted a program to what military children learn and need. So we've put together two half-hour shows today. Um, that differ slightly in topic. One, we're going all the way from resilience to parents of special needs children and the challenges in the military community for both sets of children and parents. And we have a wonderful guest host today. I'm so delighted to welcome again to our program, Tassambra Kimes. Welcome. Good morning. Thank you. Good, good morning. It's always a pleasure to have you on. Appreciate your time this morning. We are going to start with Joanne Regan, a wonderful social worker, parent, uh, child of military parents, and just someone who is very well uh, versed in the education and social work space for military children, and is going to talk today about resilience and the challenges and the amazing uh, experiences of being a military child, as well as working with them later on. So we are delighted to welcome Joanne, who's coming to us from our association with the Smith College School of Social Work. Welcome, Joanne. Delighted to have you on Military Network Radio. Yeah, good morning, everyone. Thanks for having me, Linda, and I'm really excited to be here. We are very excited because yes, your story morning, is a personal one as well as a professional one. So why don't you explain how you became interested in this topic and how you came to know the life of a military child? 
Well, it actually all started. I was actually born in the Philippines and adopted by a military family that was stationed over there. And so I grew up um, traveling all over the world with my Air Force family and then actually ended up um, getting married to a Marine. My, um, I think my dad was a little shocked when I said <laughs> I was going to marry a Marine, <laughs> but oh dear. Um, I'm a proud Marine spouse and married to Colonel Andrew Regan, who's been deployed. Um, we've been married for the last 14 years, and in that um, th- 14 years, he's been deployed twice to Iraq and once to Afghanistan, and this most recent deployment last year um, I actually was my son's first time experiencing it. And up until that point, I had been like researching and teaching classes, helping social workers be therapists with children and deal with military families. But even though I had grown up as a military child, it was much different having your own child and helping them work through. Did you, the- kind, of, did you kind of feel like the whole single parent deal when, when your spouse was deployed? Yes, definitely. And then also being a working spouse um, brings a lot of challenges because I've got a big full-time job, but I also really wanted to manage his anxiety and the stressors that, you know, that um, being a single parent, having a father deployed and a mom that works full-time is a lot. And at that time he was, you know, um, 10, so still young, trying to process and understand that. It's a lot to process. It is a lot to process. And I think one of the things that you bring to the table today is that your experience of working and and being that single parent during a lot of deployments or even just assignments where the father is not home much is really quite common in the military community. What do you think children learn? What did you learn as a military child that you carried into your professional work? Well, I think I was really always, in a lot of ways, grateful for the experience I had, even though I, I always tell people um, I don't have any roots anywhere. I, you know, I can't really claim, oh, I'm from this area, except for that I was born in the Philippines. But I think the experience of moving around, um, having to change schools and make new friends, actually, once I went to study social work, I realized, wow, it's really made me into a resilient person. And that I can really handle transitions, handle change. Um, and so I actually decided that I wanted to kind of frame it in a more positive way rather than always kind of approaching it, you know, having studied social work, that looking at people's deficits, I wanted to focus more on like what, how experiences give you strength. And so I would say growing up as a military child, I really learned how to be resilient. And I, I really see that I've been able to frame that experience um, you know, kind of finding meaning in those stressors and changes and also just putting a positive outlook on it. So I tend to think that most people regard and I, you know, I'm speaking from a civilian point, even though many of my family have been involved in the military, I believe that military children are re- viewed, if you will, or, or viewed very positively. They're very worldly. They're very mature. They are they have an aspect of, of cultural competency that gives them unusual 
uh, abilities to connect immediately with people because they're very good at needing to make new friends and connect and, and move on. So while you mentioned earlier that you didn't have true roots everywhere, military families tend to seem, and you correct me if this is wrong, to be able to thrive where they're planted. Oh, I definitely would agree with that. I've okay. moved just um, it, just since I've been married to my Marine. We've lived in California. We've lived in Hawaii. We've lived in South Carolina. And now we're in Virginia. And, you know, you just um, have to kind of bloom where you're planted. And each area kind of gives you a different cultural perspective. There's a whole different group of people that you have to learn. And, you know, our son's been with us, so he's only 11. He's already lived in those four places. And, you know, I think it's given him (laughs) a great kind of understanding. And I always tell people, it's interesting, I'm in a job now where I work for a national association. And I think what people appreciate about me the most is that I've been across the country and I really have lived there and been a part of that. And so, again, that's an example of how you take something that would seem kind of a stressor having moved, you know, four times in the last, you know, for your son to experience that and now say, and myself, that, you know, I can use this to advantage now in my work and in my interactions with people and bring that perspective kind of, um, you know, even though I've just been in the U.S., but, but also as a kid, I lived internationally, kind of those, those broader perspectives. Do you, do you feel, feel that your personal experience has, 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 sorry about that, Linda. That's okay. Do you, do you feel that your personal experience has helped you, like with your son? Is that rubbed off? Is he equally just as, you know, looking for the positives and is he able to cope better, do you think? Yeah, I definitely think so. And I think having been a military child myself, you know, being able to explain to him that I dealt with my dad being away and, you know, what that experience was like, I, I think it definitely helped. Um, You know, I think two big things, and I've studied a lot of the work of Frama Walsh, who talks about strengthening family resilience. The two things that she says right up front is you have to have a positive outlook, that that's one of the characteristics of resilient children and resilient families, that you've got to see strengths and offer encouragement. So I felt like it's really important that we find kind of meaning in this um, time of being away. I mean, and I, and I don't want to say it's definitely stressful. I mean, anybody knows, you know, being a single parent, managing the day to day of taking care of a child, dealing with their anxiety and stress, those are all difficult issues. But I feel like that my ability to stay positive, find meaning in that adversity helped. It is interesting that you talk about um, the positive aspect because mindset really does help with the outcomes. We'll start before the break and then continue afterward. Do you feel that military families are very good at emotionally sharing and setting the stage and communicating clearly? Um, Or do you feel as though um, sometimes there are masking of communications because you are handling a lot on an emotional level? Well, I actually think it can be both at, you know, different times. Um, I I would say, though, just for those listeners out there, the the thing that's helped me the most is, uh, you know, already being a a military family, a military child, you're already in a community where there's a strong sense of belonging to a community Mm -hmm. that has shared mission and values. But 
what I what I most appreciated when I haven't had that as much is the people that do step up and and help you through those times when you're not when you're not feeling that and you need support around that. So I um, I think we're fortunate in some ways being a military in, in a community because you do have a group of people that understand that and um, get your what you're feeling at that time and realize that there's ups and downs, but. For the, you know, I also want to say, and that's why I'm appreciative of wanted to be part of this show, is that for those of you that are not part of that community, the things you can do for people you know that are in that situation are very important. That's a very valuable point. And I think that most people really do want to help if they are not of the military family or if you're living in a community away from post. And, and that's very, very important. We will continue this discussion after a short break. You're listening to Military Network Radio. We'll be back after these short messages. We're Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. Welcome to Toginet, cutting edge radio. Listen up. Did you know recent studies are suggesting that women with skinny waists but sizable hips are smarter than other women? Scientists at the University of Pittsburgh and the University of California gave cognitive tests to a group of 16,000 women and girls of different body types and found the women with the greatest hip-to-waist proportions scored higher. Hmm, I guess that would make me a walking encyclopedia Britannica. No, hold on. That doesn't mean it's okay for us to be a powder pigeon. That's another name for a woman who's sizable hips can take up a whole supermarket aisle. Research suggests that the fat around fuller hips and thighs holds higher levels of omega-3 fatty acids, which helps the brain. I'm not sure if I would rather be able to do the Sunday crossword puzzle or get into those jeans I bought 10 years ago. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio, serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Joanne Regan and Jassam Brookheims. I am very pleased that we were able to talk about the communication aspect, which I think is very important. One other thing that I think is extremely important in military families is that sense of mission and collaborative problem solving. I I think that so many families uh, do set out during a deployment, and I know a lot of the classes promote this, don't know if it actually happens in reality, perhaps you'll share, but it is important that there is a shared mission and people know that this is what has been chosen and, and what is part of the life as you know it. So how do you convey that to a child through your own experiences before, or is it something that you work out together new with your current family? Well, I think I took the experiences of my own dad being gone um, and really tried to emphasize my son that his dad is doing something very important. Um, You know, I, I always like to kind of focus on just the amazing people that really in the military that focus on something bigger than themselves, you know, the greater good. And um, I'm always impressed when I meet, you know, young 18, 19 year olds that decide to choose this and really are focused on a greater kind of cause. And so I really emphasize that 
that mission, that goal, and that we were a part of that, that our goal was to support our, you know, our husband, my husband, his dad, and do everything we, we could. And in a lot of ways, we were very lucky this, particularly this last time around, because communication has changed so much. I mean, mm-hmm. we could Skype, oh my gosh, we yes. could, I, I remember when it was my son's birthday, and he could actually watch him opening presents via right. Skype. Right, isn't it, it amazing? I know, and but when my husband first deployed like 10 years ago, I remember having to go into this big room that they had set up, and there was a corporate sponsor, and they did uh, video teleconferencing, like they offered free video teleconferencing, whereas now we could do Skype. And so, you know, it just really helped to keep that um, kind of communication, both ongoing, us supporting him while he was deployed, and then he's supporting us too in ways, um, particularly just by being able to see him and being part of the events that were going on back home. I really think that that helps a lot. You know, my dad did 30 years and growing up, there were six of us. So we traveled all, I mean, of course you can, you could, there's the thing going around on Facebook right now where everyone's putting, I'm a military brat. And these are, these are all the places in the years that I've been there. (laughs) And uh, it does make me laugh too. And I'm thinking, wow, you know, we've been so many places and done so many things. And in my experience, it has, um, it, it's been my sisters that have been my immediate support because our family was so large. Um, and, you know, thinking about the way technology and everything has changed. I mean, I can't, I remember my dad being deployed quite often and just writing the letters. I mean, that was, that was really all we had. And I think moving forward, you know, to when I, I married and, and my husband deployed and like you said, going into uh, those meeting rooms where they set up the big screens and, um, and the kids can see and just kind of be more involved in that experience. And it really helps them kind of get a better understanding um, to develop that whole sense of, of mission. And I just, I just think that that's so neat. And I'm so happy how, how well it has advanced and how well it's changed. Oh, it's true. During the Vietnam War, my uncle could only participate with conversations at home through ham radio. You know, so it was very, very limited in what they could do. I, I think that that communication piece adds to the connection. I'd love to also touch on the fact that these resilient families, they really do, as you already mentioned, Joanne, have a purpose and connection that transcends um, a lot of the petty stuff in life. They, they have strength and comfort in a lot of military traditions. How would you say that spirituality and tradition help also with children as they learn and, and maintain this resiliency? Well, I think they give you kind of meaning and purpose, um, kind of beyond, you know, your own trouble. I, I guess that's what I would say. And that, you know, you, it just helps you kind of have a different way to comfort yourself and give you strength. Um, and you know, whatever your religious tradition or cultural tradition is. So I, um, you know, I, I'm obviously I'm a social worker, so service to others kind of is an important thing that helps guide that. And I really see the military. I think I already mentioned that 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 almost you know all the people I've met in that they they have that kind of shared value of service to other and and certainly a faith and a higher power that will will help them. 
boy, Tassumber and I have talked about that at length. Yes. And, 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 and faith really fills in where sometimes there really isn't anything else. And you're right. right. Having something bigger than you are, um, even acknowledging that someone else is in charge perhaps, um, makes a big difference when the upheaval becomes great. How do you feel that, uh, and I'll move it right to current events, we are living in a tumultuous time. And uh, one of the videos I posted recently on Veteran Caregiver was about how to talk to children about current events and what they see on the news. How do you feel that all this visual uh, portrayal of war has affected the children? And, And what guidance would you give to military parents? Well, I think the biggest thing, again, and you've already emphasized that, is that you you really have to be in communication and and have open conversations about that. I feel like as parents, um, that's the most important thing. You know, sometimes I hear people say, oh, I just turn it all off. I don't want them to know about it or hear about it. And um, it's interesting. I have just had a conversation last night. We were watching the convention and there was a young girl talking about an experience that she had. And I just asked my son, what do, what do you think about that mm-hmm. child? What, what do you feel about her experience? I, I just think it's very important that you continue to, to, to have open communication. I, I think that's the number one thing I, I, I would say, and that you try to help um, your children articulate how they're feeling, what they're sensing and what they're thinking, and then try to, just either listen or, you know, help them kind of understand it. But I feel like kids sometimes just want to to talk about it and try to understand it. Joanne, do you feel that it's easier to discuss, like, what's going on with, with different age groups? Like, is it is it harder for, for some? I know, like, I have two kids, and they're seven years apart. So it's I can – I know I can address certain things with the older one. Well, when it comes to the, the younger – I, I still find myself trying to kind of protect her, I guess, or keep certain yeah. things in. So what's your take on that? Well, I think kids are different, you know, and obviously as parents, we, we know our children the best and, and what they can handle or not handle. But, um, you know, I, I, again, I, I feel like every parent has to figure out what the best way to communicate with their child. And some are, um, able to handle and process more those those things, but I, I I would say always letting them do the talking more and trying to understand where they're coming from, um, getting their perspectives as opposed to trying to you know bring it out to them. And, and sometimes kids can't talk. I, I used to be a therapist, and I would do a lot of art with you know have children draw things. Um, if they couldn't, they didn't like doing art, sometimes just sitting and doing an activity and focused on something and talking about other things helps too. That's good. It does. I mean, and I think that's very important because the world is, is completely with us these days. So it is important as military children uh, or children in general, actually, with the current events um, to, to be a little bit informed, but to have the limits on the boundaries where it's comfortable for that particular child. Joanne, if you had to take a summary paragraph um, to explain how you feel military life is for military kids what would you say what do they learn what do they need and and how can we help well I think you know having been both a military child and now the mom of a military child I I would just say you know it's 
it's it's really a positive experience. I, I mean, I, I really feel that strongly. Um, and I, I know there's stressors and there's a lot of trauma people experience as a result of the you know long time we've been in the in the wars. But I would say overall, it, it has been a, a positive experience. And and it's really positive because the 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 relationships that you create. I think you tied into that. There's this strong shared mission and values. Um, there is a supportive community out there that understand that both within the military and outside of the military. And it's really important that, um, you know, both military families and children reach out to that network, but also people that aren't part of that reach out to military families. Um, one of the most touching things I remember someone did for me one time, this is when my husband was deployed. And they're the, um, the the Blue Star families and these ladies. Oh, and yes. they went and let, they would just leave little notes. They knew my husband was deployed. <laughs> I didn't know who they were or anything. They would just leave little notes and things. And, you know, it's just that kind of reaching out and, and doing that. Um, and I think, too, just, you know, I, what I can say is I developed a lot of confidence, um, a lot of resiliency. And I think what I realized is that despite um, you know, kind of stressors and adversity. Um, I think we just focused on adapting. And I just want to mention real quickly, because I know we're finishing up, there's this great RAND report that just came out that um, actually kind of mirrors what I would feel my experience. It was really hard during the getting ready for the deployment and the actual deployment, and there were stressors. But in the end, they followed 3,000 families in around eight months, most of the families were back to normal and had good level, you know, good well-being. So, um, so I, so I know it's possible, and I just want to say that it's been a great opportunity to be both a spouse, a, a mom to a military child, and then a, you know, a proud daughter of a military family. And it's it's really a privilege to to serve in this capacity and, and be a support. What that a lovely great. to have so many different perspectives and wow, I love the story too, Linda. Yeah, it's it's wonderful the the way it all comes together. Joanne, if you were to guide people to two resources that you think would be helpful for them to learn more about uh, military children and programs and things like that, what would those be? Well, I would definitely um, say that there's um, military one source for those of you that are in military family, there, there's tons of resources available um, out there. And then I, you know, I just, for those of you that are trying to understand more military families and, and trying to help them, I, I would just say, you know, spending time talking to families, I, I, you know, the more and more I'm around people and even here in the Washington DC area, you know, you realize less than 1% of our country serve, and there's a lot of people that just don't understand that experience. So I, I would encourage people to get um, information just from the, the, the military families and children themselves, too. Um, and then I mentioned two of my favorite people, that RAND report, I would definitely recommend those of you that are military families. I think it gives lots of good tips. And then I like Frama Walsh's book, Strengthening Family Resilience, that could be used for really any families. I've used her a lot in my teaching of courses about um, just families and how to do family therapy. Wonderful. Joanne, thank you so much for joining us this morning with all of your valuable perspectives. Yes, thank you. And we are just delighted to have you on. Thank you for listening to Military Network Radio. We're going on a short break, and we'll have our second guest right after the break. 
Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. This is Toginet, Cutting Edge Radio. fair food you know loverwort such as corn dogs funnel cakes and anything else you could put in a deep fryer loverwort is another word for food that has no nutritional value this year i went to the texas state fair where they were serving up fried king ranch casserole fried thanksgiving dinner and fried nutella the california state fair boasts fried crispy cream chicken sandwiches what's a word for a person who loves a certain type of food to the point of madness an opsomaniac. At the Iowa State Fair, you can enjoy a hot beef sundae. That's a big scoop of mashed potatoes over roast beef covered with gravy, sprinkled with cheddar cheese, and garnished with a cherry tomato to look like a sundae. What's another word for messy food? My wallet. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our show about military children, what they learn and what they need. We have our second guest now. We're happy to have Deanne McNulty join us. She's a military spouse, mom of a special needs child, and can really talk a little bit differently on in terms of what children need and certainly what they learn and what she has learned about communication, connectedness, resources, and functioning well within the special needs community as well as in the military community. So welcome to Military Network Radio, Deanne. Hello and thank you. You're so very welcome. Why don't we start with a brief synopsis of your story, you know, how you came to be in the Army and then, or Army spouse, pardon me, and um, then move right into the topic of your child and, and what you feel about the special needs community and where we can go from there. Okay. Well, um, I married my husband when we were both in our early 30s, mm-hmm. so we had both had prayers before. And um, after leaving Chicago and moving to a post, I was a little bit flabbergasted by the big change in my life. (laughs) Um, (laughs) It was a very drastic change. But um, our goal was to have children in the future. And so about two years into our marriage, we um, had our first daughter who was um, born while my husband was actually at home. But he was also had also been started in the acquisition corps, so he was gone probably ninety percent of the time, even though he was stateside. So my daughter came along; she was wonderful, ahead of the scale on all of our um, all of the benchmarks, and very social. People were saying that she might be hyperlexic because she memorized all of our stories and was. Um, always very active and lots of fun to be around. About 22 months, we were in the middle of moving from Minneapolis to the DC area. I was pregnant with our second child. And um, during that move, my daughter regressed over the matter of about three weeks. 
She mm. went from being at the very top of all the scales to being at the very bottom. She lost mm. eye contact, 90% of her verbal ability. This was a child who was speaking in short sentences, was interactive and sought out other people for interaction, um, strangers as well as um, people she knew. And um, she loved to be around animals and this no longer was the case. She also um, went from eating about everything to having a very, very limited diet. And she started tantruming on a regular basis. So as in half the day at least. Mm -hmm. So um, something was definitely wrong. But we were in the middle of a move and um, there were so many things that were changing. And the doctors that I met when we first met, moved to DC explained that this was probably not that atypical for a child who was in the middle of a move with all the upheaval and she was still on the scale of normal, although it was the very bottom of it. And they didn't really seem to understand that she had been at the very top of it before. So um, within a month of moving, I had another child, another little girl, and um, my husband was working at the Pentagon at least 15 hours a day and was exhausted um, with that. And then on top of it, I was dealing with two children who had very high levels of need. So um, it was an interesting wow. start to our our time in the D.C. area. So, Deanne, when did you get a doctor to agree with you that this wasn't just relocation anxiety um, or response to your being pregnant or any of those things that probably were put down as stressors? When did you finally get someone to believe you? Well, we were on, we were living on the economy, meaning in the neighborhoods around the DC area, there's no room for us anywhere on post and we had planned to stay here. So we had purchased a home. So with that, I had chosen not to have to drive to Bethesda to have a baby. And um, so we went to um, TRICARE Standard, which allowed us to go to any, doc any doctors in our area. Mm -hmm. This has been both a great benefit but at the beginning it was a very it was a challenge because there was not I basically doctor hopped I fired two doctors and finally about four months later I had a new pediatrician who had some developmental background and he was like yes this this is a, something as an issue and you should go to child find and find out what might be available. We know for sure she has a speech delay. So that started my journey into the public schools and what was available through public schools and local services. Did the so, EFMP program help at all, the exceptional family member program? Or did you even know about it? I find sometimes that there's so many programs that are offered by the military. It's just like a swarm. It's like you, you, it's so hard to pull even one. So, but did it help at all? Well, you know, here's, here is my ignorance coming from a corporate background and first child. Um, I had always just gone to the general pediatrician and um, therefore I was just, I was figuring that they should know. And since we weren't going on post, my general pediatricians in the community didn't refer me 
to EFMP. Mm-hmm. And I didn't even know about it for quite a while until I, my third pediatrician, and when we went through there, he said, oh, well, you're, you're Army, right? <laughs> and we're like, yeah. Mm-hmm. And he goes, well, <laughs> you should have some benefits through your insurance. And I'm right. like, oh, okay. <laughs> so it wasn't, it just wasn't something that I was well aware of. And because we were new, I had no resources in mm. the area and, um, I, I didn't know to even look at it. And to be honest, I was overwhelmed and distraught by what mm-hmm. I was seeing. Mm-hmm. And I think it's not unusual for families or at least p- parents to be, um, overwhelmed and not understand that there are even options out there. Right. Dur- during the time I had done my due diligence on Google searches and heard all kinds of ideas that could be happening. And, but Google can be a dangerous tool. Oh, very <laughs> good point. Very good point. It, it can cause a lot of catastrophizing as well as providing good information. The, the interesting part is that unfortunately you were like the perfect storm. You moved, you didn't have your support system, you didn't have your medical system, and you didn't have the post where other people might've been able to point out the programs, but you still prevailed. Good for you. And, <laughs> and what you bring up is what many parents talk about is that, you know, failure is not an option here. So you went and you found out and, and you eventually were hooked up with the right feeling, right people for testing. Once you received a diagnosis, was was it easier to hook into the programs? Did those become more available to you? Um, sometimes with a multitude of issues, you're still at a series of specialists. And again, it gets overwhelming again. And then one thing that special needs parents talk about a lot is grief. You know, where's the time for you to grieve what would have been the future and now you're dealing with the present? And it's all very confusing and exhausting. And you're kind of doing it on your own with your husband um, being gone with working so many hours sometimes as a military spouse. It's, you know, we we mentioned with Joanne, it's, it's a lot like being a single parent. Oh, yes. I always explain that I'm a single parent with an income. And um, <laughs> I haven't heard it explained like that before. But like it. <laughs> well, it's, you know, I mean, my husband's a great guy and he has been dedicated to the service for 27 years. And he is, he knows all about that, but understanding what EFMP was or all he knew was to put the girls down as a deer's on our deers forms. So we didn't really know for sure he was learning along with me. And so I would fire questions at him all the time and have him ask him to go and research, which might get done. So um, (laughs) depending on his work schedule and how much he could at work. So I think what happened was once we um, went through, it took a couple months to get through the child study or the child find process through our local schools And at that point, they gave Molly a school um, diagnosis as speech delay, which was obviously only part of her issue, Mm -hmm. but it was definitely something for us to start with. And at that point, when we started looking at speech services and what what would be covered, that's when I really got into EFMP. I met one of our people on post 
at, and she was so helpful and so compassionate that it was one of the first times that I sat down with someone and she just let me pour it out. And I realized how much I had been carrying and how much my husband was carrying as well. Although he was truly hanging on to that. She was going to be fine by kindergarten. That's what we were told at one point, And we were, we were hanging on to that for dear life. As you, you know, it's so funny because I've, I've heard so many parents say that they get that one piece of hope. And in some ways that's a good bridge to get to the next step because it does give you an optimistic mindset, which is always better for outcomes, no matter what they turn out to be. As you became connected with EFMP and as you're working with other families or, or meeting other families, I imagine, um, do you feel as though you did finally get some of the support that you needed um, and, and that there was progress to be made going forward, not just simply a diagnosis and then immediacy, but something going forward? Yes. And I think through EFMP and then getting some information um, through the military, I started between a couple military classes and specifically, this was this was over 10 years ago. So things have come a long way and the services available are so much better and they're, they're good today. Um, and the information out there is so much more clear and accurate. We um, did a lot along the way and I started taking every class, every seminar, every online thing I could. I immersed myself in taking classes and understanding as much as I could to help my children. So that was that was my very long journey to get started with that. I loved a statement that you said uh, when we first spoke, which was that if you have a special needs child, you must advocate fiercely. <laughs> yes, yes, like a lion. Um, and you never, you can't, you can't take no for an answer. You're constantly asking what other option might there be? Can we look at this a different way? How can we make this different or approach it so that it will actually make things better? So I look perfect at the timing, <laughs> perfect timing for a break. We will continue this right after some short messages. You're listening to military network radio, and we are talking to Deanne McNulty about special needs, children and challenges within the military. And we will be right back after some short messages. We look forward to talking with you further. Military Network Radio, and we'll be right back after these short messages. It's marching Did you hear about the hound dog that participated in a 13-mile race in Elkmont, Alabama? According to Runner's World, the two-and-a-half-year-old hound dog named Ludivine was just horb-gorbling in her backyard when she heard the runners lining up for the trackless train track half-marathon in the distance. Somehow, she found her way to the starting line and began sprinting alongside the other runners. According to Keith Henry, the winner of the race, Ludivine cut in front of him and the other runners several times. They had to be careful not to trip over the pooch. 
As it turned out, Ludovine crossed the finish line in seventh place with a time of one hour and 33 minutes. According to her owner, that was a pretty impressive showing for a normally Scabberlacher dog. Scabberlacher is another word for lazy. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words you never heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Are you looking for something more in your life or business? More success? More stability? More happiness? It's all out there waiting for you. But it doesn't just happen. You've got to go get it. Make it happen with Michelle McCullough, where motivation and strategy intersect. Michelle is a serial entrepreneur, acclaimed speaker, and the WooHoo Radio Network's resident business and success strategist. Michelle has the smarts, strategies, and experience to help you improve your life and take your business to the next level. You've got big dreams. You've got big vision. Now it's time for you to make it happen. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. Serving the military, their families, and those who care about them. Together, we make a difference. Welcome back to Military Network Radio. We're continuing our discussion with Deanne. And we are going to talk about what Deanne was so wonderfully articulate when she said, I have so many experiences to talk about. They're heartbreaking, humiliating, and now funny, but only after the fact with time and many glasses of wine. I think many, many parents would understand that feeling very, very well. And you had some wonderful stories to share, Deanne, so I'll turn it over to you and to Sombra. Thank you. Um, Over the years, my daughter has many sensory issues, and so we have had ups and downs along the way. Um, One story I think now is very funny, but during the time it was very challenging. Um, She has always had sensory issues towards water. Mm -hmm. And when she was about four, this became very apparent as we would be going places, and I would have a two-year-old on one side, and my daughter and Molly on the other walking through into a store and I would have to plan around the rain or plan around any sort of drips. Mm. And one time we were in the store because her reaction to getting wet was to strip naked and <laughs> run. <laughs> I'm because so, I can totally picture myself in that same situation. Yeah, <laughs> there's a picture. <laughs> it was well. I I do remember one a few times in the grocery store specifically once from the misters in the produce, which we avoided at all costs. After that, I did manage her to manage. To, I always cared of carried a full extra set of clothing, and managed to get her into the bathroom before completely stripping. At that point. Um, But one time we were coming in from the parking lot and I was carrying my younger daughter and holding my other daughter's hand and she got a very large drip of water on her back as we were walking into the vestibule. And right there between the big sliding doors, she so quickly took all of her clothes off and threw them on the ground and started and during this time is screaming as people are walking in and behind me. And all I could do was put my other daughter, first younger daughter down, wrap a coat around her as much as I could throw her over my shoulder, turn around, grab my younger daughter and run for the car. I just, I mean, and, 
to look at the people around and have them look at you like, oh my gosh, how could that be happening? And she was, she was probably five at this time. And it was a nightmare because nobody could believe, you know, children don't act that way, you know? Right. And it was, now I look back and we always talk about naked, my naked child. And it was years that now we have the rule you know, no naked girls downstairs, only in your room, because you have, you cannot be naked outside of your room or the bathroom. (laughs) And it's still a process. And, you know, thank God she's totally comfortable in her skin, but the rest of the people out there, not so much. So um, that was always an interesting challenge. You know, what's interesting to me is that I think, though, there has been so much more awareness, it's still too little, but more awareness that what you may be viewing is not necessarily a tantrum. It right. may be a child on sensory overload. And right. and I there's some wonderful things that made the rounds on Facebook. One of the couple of reasons that there are some very good things that you can learn. But I think that the awareness that not being judged, um, yeah. It, I know it's slow to come and right. it will never be all the way, but I, I would hope that more people understand that these are sensory issues, that there's a reason behind some of these things. And it's it's wonderful that you can laugh at it now and it makes sense <laughs> to you. But I, I think your story will resonate with a lot of our listeners as well. Right. I well, think just because they look normal and okay on the outside, you know, it doesn't really mean that they're struggling with other issues. And, you know, as I'm, I'm a special needs parents myself, my daughter has, has hearing loss, bilateral hearing loss. And um, I remember being, when she was little, being in the store, if she didn't have her hearing aids and I had to yell at her and the stares and the looks I got, I wanted to wear a shirt that said, you know, I'm not a mean mom. I promise my daughter <laughs> is just hard of hearing, you know, because people do <laughs> stare and just, just, just the judgment, you know, mm-hmm. can be, can be harsh. And uh, I think it's important, you know, to mention that, you know, Mm -hmm. we had an experience in, seems like it's always grocery stores, but um, (laughs) we were in a Whole Foods and my daughter would be very frustrated when she could not have something that she wanted. So the words that she did have were not available and still are not when she is upset And there's a whole neurological reason for that. But the point is, is when she gets upset, she's very frustrated and she gets loud and she will throw things or just basically look like she's having a four-year-old fit when she's in the body of a child that might be, you know, a number or maybe a three-year-old fit when she might be six. And one time when we were in Whole Foods and she wanted some crackers and she picked them up and she wanted them and I said nope you have your snack we're done with that she took her snack and threw it all over the floor and at this point I've been doing my training and my therapy at home and I was not letting her get by with these things anymore so I'm trying to be the very focused and (laughs) on task parent right And, and the people from Whole Foods very sweetly come up and, oh, don't worry, we'll clean it up. And I'm like, thank you very much, but she's cleaning it up. And they were like appalled that I was going to make my child pick up 
cereal from all over the floor. And I'm like, no, she threw it. She cleans it up. It doesn't matter where it's at. And I had this most, I, I sat there as people are going by and giving me the looks and trying to figure out what I'm doing. And this wonderful, wonderful woman came up to me and said, you know, I'm a special needs parent and I've been around a lot of other special needs kids and you are doing exactly the right thing. And I know that this is hard, but you just keep it up. And if you want, I'll just hang out with you until How awesome. it up. Oh, that's and, a special woman. Yeah. Oh my gosh. She's still, I mean, it has been years and I still, that thought resonates with me every time I go by that aisle in Whole Foods. And she made such an impact on my heart and on my ability to continue to do that and to actually look for those parents now who are having the struggles in the store because everybody does special needs or no um and be able to say you know what you're doing a good job you hang in there mom or you hang in there dad so that's been really helpful so I think more of us need to be part of the community and be part of that help even though it doesn't look like that child maybe should be doing what they're doing. Excellent point. Um, You have two daughters. Um, Often in families, relationships between the siblings can become strained. Has that been part (laughs) of your story as well? Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And um, so my younger daughter is turning 10 this week. Cannot believe it. And, um, don't blink. I know, I know, but, um, and we've been reading a lot of books recently about people that are special in one way or another. And we just finished reading, um, a book called rules. And, um, it is about a 12 year old girl who has a younger brother with special needs or he has autism. And, um, my daughter actually picked this book out to read with the help of her teacher. And we've been talking a lot about summarizing the book. I said, so how is your life different or the same as, as um, the girl in the story? And she said, you know, mom, being, being the sibling is really hard. And, you know, like with her, I get embarrassed sometimes and it's hard to explain to other people And sometimes I just need your attention and she's taking it all. Mm. And that's really hard. So they need so much extra help and attention. I think that's great. And and sticking with the the theme of of positivity here, I have, I I just want to ask, what do you love about your special needs child? Mm. Oh my gosh. What makes it wonderful to you? Oh my gosh. This child she has the most golden heart. Um, she is my barometer when it comes to other people. When she meets people, I won't even interview somebody to babysit. I just have them come in and have her meet them. And it, within a few minutes, if she's good with them and comfortable, I know that I can interview them to see if they're going to be somebody that I want to work with. But if she meets somebody and she has no interest in them and is not... Um, doesn't want to be around them. It's really not, I know she's not going to be somebody that's going to be worth it, our time to really make a good relationship with because she's, she's always right. She has the most Mm. compassion and her smile will melt your Mm. heart. 
That is wonderful. Now, now to Sombra, I have to ask you that same question. Oh, with my daughter, you know, she's so creative. She's very, uh, very strong willed. And, you know, we're still going through all of the appointments and trying to figure out, you know, um, I guess the diagnosis for, for other issues, but, you know, creativity has been something that's been very helpful for her. And, you know, when she has, you know, her, her meltdowns or her breakdowns where she's just kind of overloaded, um, I just kind of let her paint or I let her, create or sometimes I just I walk into a room I remember one time she took a box of tissues and uh, the black uh, electrical tape and she was taping tissues to her arms and (laughs) I was thinking my first thought was oh my god what a mess you know but then I thought no 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 no. let me just walk away you know we got to pick our battles and um and then I and then when she finished you know she's waving her arms in the air and I said well what are you doing sweetie and she goes I'm a bird and thought, of course she is. Well, how creative. Yes. Okay. Well, you go fly around. And I was so happy that I didn't, you know, um, jump in and, and fuss at her or start cleaning up. But I just love how creative she is. I love it. I yeah. love the stories that both of you have shared. And we have just a little bit of time left. Uh, Deanne, if you were to give parents a resource that you would suggest, clearly we're, we're going to tell people to look up at the EFMP program, but what else would you tell them? You know, what's really grown and become a great resource is the Military One Source. Okay. Because they have so many links and connections to resources all over. The second thing I would do is as soon as you think something might possibly be going on, if it's not from birth, that um, get a hold of your local um, PI or, um, or the early intervention programs, and they can really offer a lot of help. Perfect. You know, thank you so much for sharing your personal stories, and we've learned so much today. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Thank you for tuning in today to Military Network Radio. You can find our show at our website, www.toginet.com forward slash Military Network Radio. Also, www.militarynetworkradio.com. And in iTunes under Military Network Radio. Join us next week when we bring you another program to enhance